Hypersonic missiles have rained down across Ukraine as part of a major Russian offensive targeting cities, including Kyiv. Europe's biggest nuclear plant, Zaporizhia, has also been targeted by renewed shelling, temporarily cutting power to the facility for the sixth time. Joining us now is Michael Bossicu, a global affairs analyst and senior fellow at the Atlantic Council. He joins us from Odessa in southern Ukraine. Michael, always good to have you on the show. Thanks for coming back. Oh, you're most welcome. The city of Odessa, where you are, was hit by the strike. What have you heard throughout the day? Yeah, it um, you know it came after many many days of calm, uh, where. People have reappeared on sidewalks and in restaurants. Shopkeepers have put their generators away. Life was really, really roaring back to normal. And then this happened. Um, it was a huge strike today, the biggest since the start of the year. 80-plus missiles throughout Ukraine, cruise missiles, uh, drones, and those hypersonic weapons. Odessa uh, felt the effects in the sense that um, power went out in many places of the city, public transport ground to a halt and uh, traffic lights brought that sort of thing. But it's also the kind of invisible impact as well, Patricia, you know, the anxiety that people get, the fear. In fact, as I speak to you right now, we're under the third air raid siren of of the day. So no saying what, what could happen next. That must be terrifying for people. How often are these weapons being used in this conflict? Well, um, you know, usually they've been kind of isolated to, you know, uh, Kiev and other areas, but Odessa is rarely hit. But, you know, this needs to concern the world what's happening because Odessa, as you know, is the anchor of that Black Sea grain initiative. Tens of millions of tons of grain are now flowing from Odessa port to uh, markets around the world, including Australia. But um, I've noticed uh, today the port was motionless. There was one big bulk carrier in there. Um, there was no grain being loaded on. So you you have to ask yourself, what are the Russians up to when they're striking the infrastructure of Odessa when they know darn well that this is where the grain that flows to world markets comes through and this is an agreement that they signed. How does this barrage compare to recent offensives? Well, most of the... Um, Violent activity, if we can put it that way, has been restricted to uh, the front line, Bakhmut and places like that. But Ukraine has been begging for months and months and months for the ability to better protect its skies. It's gotten a lot better of it. Most of the incoming missiles that came today were shot down. But I think if you ask me what Ukraine really needs right now is longer range missiles so they, they can strike targets with inside Russia, legitimate military targets to stop these missiles from being launched. In addition to that, they need fighter jets. And in addition to that, I think they also need countries like India and Israel to get off the fence and play a more active role in deterring Russia. Okay, so you you think longer range missiles, fighter jets, what's realistically given um, the the sort of long protracted uh, process for for getting any help that we saw recently? How likely is it that Ukraine will get that assistance? Well, I think there's some movement in Poland and and neighbouring countries to provide uh, Ukraine with the MiG jets, but what's really needed are, for example, from the United Kingdom, the Typhoon jets, but it's the same kind of game, if you will, Patricia, that we were in a few weeks ago over the tanks. It takes one big country, such as the United Kingdom, to make the first move, and then others will follow. Because, you know, 
for those main battle tanks to be 100% effective, they're going to need air cover. And the Ukrainians really need those fighter jets to do that with. Um, we do not want this to transform itself into a frozen conflict that lasts for months. And Mr. Putin needs to be given an unequivocal strong signal that he cannot push further. He needs to go back to 2014, pre-2014 lines. Otherwise, he's going to try and grab more territory beyond Ukraine. The world needs to understand that. The head of the United Nations nuclear watchdog has appealed for a protection zone around Zaporizhia power plant after another blackout as a result of the shelling. Mm-hmm. Why hasn't that already been established and is it likely to be? Well, it looked like they were close to getting it. They actually had staff stationed um, in or near the plant. But I don't think the Russians have an interest in having a protected zone. This is a big bargaining chip for them. Um I don't have to remind everyone what happened in 1986 when what happened at uh, Chernobyl and that huge accident there. That is why there's a big fear that the Russians could either get careless or they could do something deliberate to create a nuclear accident. Um, this this shakes us to the core when we even think about it, those who live here in Ukraine at the moment. So everything, everything needs to be done to put to be put pressure on the Russians to do something. And I think, you know, for example, Beijing has quite a bit of sway over uh, the Kremlin and they could play a big role in, um, you know, encouraging Russia to be much, much more responsible with that Zaporizhia plant. Uh, Russia's Wagner mercenary group has proclaimed control of Bakhmut. Ukraine says that's not true. Do we know where the truth lies? Somewhere in between, probably. Um, both sides are claiming gains. But um, I think what I would say about the current battle there is that if the Russians do indeed seize Bakhmut, it'll be more of a kind of PR victory for them than anything else. But coming at an enormous human cost, the Ukrainians say that um, the Russian soldiers are dying at the rate of about seven to one of Ukrainian. Um, others say four to one. But whatever the number, it's turned into a a kind of human meat grinder for the Russians. Um, but, um, you know, the important thing here is to create the conditions where the Russians cannot go much further, for example, to Kramatorsk, which is on higher ground and which hosts a big Ukrainian uh, military presence. Um, that would be a big game changer. You mentioned earlier Israel and India need to get off the fence. Uh, is there any indication that that's going to happen? And what would change if they were to get off the fence? Well, a couple of thoughts there. I mean, for Israel, what would be probably very helpful are two things. Uh, One, to help Ukraine protect its skies, the Iron Dome system. And number two, to strike targets with more force within Iran, for example, where those drones being sold to Russia are being manufactured. But I think at the end of the day, um, both India and Israel have to think about what place in history they're going to occupy when the history of one of the most consequential conflicts since the Second World War happening in Europe is is occurring. Uh, those who stay silent are not going to be looked upon as heroes or those who helped end the conflict. It's those that really take a strong st- stance and side on, on the side of democracy, freedom-loving democracy. So uh, t- again, time is um, of the essence here. Um, the The situation is changing very quickly. Ukraine needs all the assistance diplomatically, militarily to, to win this war. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Michael. My pleasure.
Michael Bosicu is a global affairs analyst and senior fellow at the Atlantic Council, and you're listening to ABCRM Breakfast. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABCRM.